Being a submissive wife in a difficult or unhappy marriage is just that, difficult, and certainly not what any of us thought that it would be like when we dreamed of being married. Thankfully, God is not only well aware of the sinful nature of His people, but His Word is full of wisdom as to what to do as a godly wife with a challenging husband. I believe that this episode, as well as the next one, will be game changers for many of you as we dig deeper into all that God's Word teaches us on how to conduct ourselves to bring peace to our homes, of God's complete sovereignty over our lives, and the protection that He provides for us. Let's get started. Welcome to the Faith Lived Out podcast. Are you wanting a loving Christian marriage but are unsure what that looks like or how to get it? Do you have fears about becoming a submissive wife, afraid that you'll lose your identity or become a doormat? Do you have thoughts that maybe you're doing this whole wife and marriage thing all wrong and you want to know how to do it right, to stop worrying all the time and to learn how to truly put your faith and trust in the Lord? Hey girl, I'm Nancy Adamson, wife, mom, and Grammy to seven sweet babies, Christian mentor, Bible teacher, speaker, and women's ministry leader. I see you and I get you because I've been there, and I'm here to share with you what God has taught me on how to have a loving biblical marriage and what the true meaning of being a submissive wife really looks like. We'll also chat about how to find wisdom and truth for life's challenging questions in His Word, how to apply God's truth to our lives, and to put the cares and concerns that are on your heart safely in the Father's hands. So if you're ready to learn how to live out your faith every day and follow the amazing plan that God has for your marriage, grab your coffee, pull up a chair next to mine, and let's get started. Being a submissive wife in a difficult marriage doesn't mean that this is just your lot in life, that you need to accept it, and that you must suffer in silence until your dying days. God shows us in His Word what His promises are for us and how He protects His children who are in difficult situations. Scripture gives us instructions as to how we are to conduct ourselves and that by doing so, even our enemies will be at peace with us. Following God's will and His teachings is the only way to bring real change in your marriage. It won't happen overnight, ladies. It does take time and a willingness on your part to trust God and to live out His word. But look at what God's promises are to us. In Deuteronomy 28 verses 1 and 2, it says this, Now it shall come to pass, if you diligently obey the voice of the Lord your God to observe carefully all His commandments, which I command you today, that the Lord your God will set you high above all nations of the earth, and all these blessings shall come upon you and overtake you, because you obey the voice of the Lord your God. So ladies, as we diligently obey God's voice, as we diligently obey what His Word tells us to do and to carefully carry out His commandments, then all these blessings shall come upon us. 
they shall overtake us and we will have the joy that we can only find in God as we obey his voice. As wives, we can have a great influence as to the tone of our households. The way in which we conduct ourselves will either help to bring peace to our homes or it will add strife and chaos. There's four ways of conducting ourselves that sets a tone of peace in our homes. The first one is to pray for your husband daily. The power of prayer is nothing short of amazing and the only way to tap into God's wisdom and guidance for your marriage. Pray for your relationship with him. Pray that God will give you that special love and desire for your husband and that you will see your husband through God's eyes. I had a difficult time with a relationship with my mother-in-law, and it went on for years, and there were many struggles. But when I finally went to the Lord and I prayed for her, and He allowed me to see what her struggles had been and allowed me to see her through His eyes, it made all the difference in the world in our relationship. And I began to have compassion for her. And I began to just to really love on her and to be able to see her in a different light. So pray for your husband in that way that the Lord will give you a heart for him and to be able to see him through God's eyes. And pray for his relationship with the Lord. Pray scripture for him that the Holy Spirit will work in his heart. In Colossians 1, 9 through 11, it says, For this reason, we also, since the day we heard it, do not cease to pray for you and to ask that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will in all wisdom and spiritual understanding, that you may walk worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing him, being fruitful in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God, strengthening with all might according to his glorious power for all patience and long suffering with joy." Isn't this what you want for your husband? That he would be filled with the knowledge of God's will and God's wisdom and spiritual understanding? That he would walk worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing God and being fruitful in every good work? Then pray this over your husband. Pray it over yourself as well, but pray it over your husband that the Holy Spirit will work in his heart and to make this happen. In episode 53, we went over all kinds of information about praying for your husband for real change in your marriage. So if you haven't listened to that one yet, then I suggest that you go and that you listen to it and that you get more information and understanding of how to pray for your husband. The second one is to have a gentle and quiet spirit. Because of the way things are portrayed in movies or romance novels, we tend to think that the way to attract a man's attention or what they really care about most is how a woman looks or how she is dressed. You know, that she's dressed to the nines and the hair's all done and the makeup's just right and she's looking sexy, but that simply isn't true. Do they look at that? Absolutely. But when it really comes down to it, what's really matters to your husband's heart is that gentle and quiet spirit. In 1 Peter 3, 3 through 3-6, we read, Do not let your adornment be merely outward, arranging the hair, wearing gold, or putting on fine apparel. Rather, let it be the hidden person of the heart, with the incorruptible beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit, which is very precious in the sight of God. 
For in this manner, in former times, the holy women who trusted in God also adorned themselves, being submissive to their own husbands, as Sarah obeyed Abraham, calling him Lord, whose daughters you are if you do good and are not afraid with any terror." It is having a gentle and quiet spirit that respects her husband and is submissive rather than argumentative. This is what a man is really looking for and what really draws his attention to you. It is the woman who is confident in who she is in Christ, who trusts in and follows the ways of the Lord, and who sees to the needs of her husband and to her family. This is the woman who has adorned herself with the hidden beauty of the heart. The third one is to respond with a gentle tongue. When we respond with harsh criticisms of, I can't believe you did that, or foolish demands of, well, I don't want you to have any conversation or any kind of contact with any woman in your previous life, anybody that was before me, then we're only adding discord and a certain level of mistrust in our marriages. A biblical response, rather than a harsh, overly emotional, or manipulative one, will de-escalate the situation and build your relationship with your husband, rather than tear it down. In Proverbs 26, 4 and 5, it says, Do not answer a fool according to his folly, lest you also be like him. Answer a fool according to his folly, lest he be wise in his own eyes. If your husband is being rude, disrespectful, critical, unkind, demeaning or demanding. Responding to him in the same way only makes it worse. He walks away saying, see how she is? See how she talks to me? I have a right to act the way that I am. However, when we don't yell back, when we don't ridicule them or point out their faults to get back at them, then they only have themselves to look at for the cause of the problem. They lose their justification for their actions. Follow the wisdom of the Lord in Proverbs 1-7, where it tells us, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and instruction. So don't be a fool. Learn God's ways, follow His instructions, and be the one that God uses to bring peace, love, wisdom, and a change to your marriage. I know that this seems unfair and that you're doing all the work, but you're not. The Holy Spirit is with you, and He is the one who is working in you to make you more like Christ. That should be our goal anyway, and He is also working in your husband, even if you can't see it. It is only by the Holy Spirit that our own hearts are transformed and that our lives are changed. Therefore, it is only by the Holy Spirit that this happens in our husband's hearts as well. So when He points something out to you, own up to your shortcomings or what your mistake may have been. We all have them, and trying to justify our poor behavior doesn't do any of us any good. When our husband comes to us with a complaint, generally our first response is going to be to justify our actions, even when we really know in the back of our minds we should not have done what we did. But we try to figure out a way to justify it and to make it okay. And what we should be doing instead is to take his comments and complaints to heart. Is this something that I should have done differently and I need to apologize for? Is this something that maybe you didn't know was important to him, but now you do know and you can let him know, hey, 
I'm sorry that I didn't do this in the way that you had asked, and I'll do it differently now. You know, in the very beginning of my marriage, my husband used to get upset with me about things and and get frustrated and walk away. And I'd go, well, well, what? You know, what is it that I did wrong? What is it that that you're upset with? Oh, he'd tell me it doesn't matter because people don't change anyway. I'm not going to tell you. No, people change. We need to be willing to change. Hopefully our husbands will be willing to change. But I couldn't change anything until he told me what the problem was, until he told me what it is that was important to him that I needed to do differently. Then I finally got him to be able to tell me what those things were and to be able to change some of those things. Most of the time, it wasn't that big of a deal. It wasn't that I had done anything terribly wrong. He just had a different idea about it. And what was important to him was different than what was important to me. So listen to these things from your husband. If he gets upset with you and doesn't tell you exactly why, ask him, hey, give me a little bit more information here so that I can do things a little bit differently and to have our home run more smoothly and peacefully and to be able to do what it is that you are asking me to do. And then if it's something that you disagree with him on, then you'll need to talk about it and need to work it out with each other. And if need be, take time to respond to this. There's nothing that says that you have to respond to him right then and there. As a matter of fact, scripture tells us in Proverbs 15, 28, the heart of the righteous studies how to answer, but the mouth of the wicked pours forth evil. So the heart of the righteous studies how to answer. If you need to, tell your husband that you want to take a little bit of time to think about this and to get back to him later. You know, sometimes we need to take time to pray about it and ask God to discern our actions and discern what our motives were behind our actions. Were we being selfish, vengeful, or unthoughtful? Did we do what we did out of hurt or anger towards our husbands or someone else? If so, then confess this to him and ask for his forgiveness. This is what we are called to do to everyone in our lives, particularly our husbands. If you were justified in your actions, then discuss it with him, remembering that a soft answer turns away wrath. That's what we read in Proverbs 15.1. A soft answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. When we respond in anger or overly defensive or emotional, then we're only muddying the waters and making things worse. This kind of a reaction weakens the point that we are trying to make because all our husband sees is our behavior and they are no longer listening to anything that comes out of our mouth. The fourth one is to overcome evil with good. Our natural sinful tendency is to get back or get even. Our thoughts go to, why should I have to be nice all the time? He did this to me, so he deserves it that I do this to him. Or if he would be kind and considerate to me, then I would treat him the same way. We can come up with all of these thoughts on our own, and the enemy is always ready to help us, willing and able to arm us with the same kind of thoughts, always ready to stir up strife and discord between you and your husband. But God says in Romans 12, verses 17 through 21, Repay no one evil for evil. Have regard for good things in the sight of all men. If it is possible, as much as depends on you, live peaceably with all men. Beloved, do not avenge yourselves, but rather give place to wrath, for it is written, 
Vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. Therefore, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him a drink. For in so doing, you will heap coals of fire on his head. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. We often think of this verse in light of others who are around us, not with our husbands, because they're supposed to love and cherish and honor us. This is our expectation of them. However, as some of us are quite aware, this is not always the case. But know too that God can change them and or your circumstances. What we are to focus on is not returning evil for evil, not getting back at them for the things that they have done or for not treating them in the way that they treat us. Remember the scripture said, vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. And ladies, God is so much better at this than we could ever be. He has so many more ways and so many more opportunities to do these things and to make a lasting change in our husband's lives. We really need to leave this to him. He is so much better at it. What we are to do is as much as depends on you, live peaceably with all men and do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. Make it a point to bring peace to your home and to find ways that you can bless your husband. In this, you are God's helper in changing your marriage and then let God do the rest. I know that this can seem difficult and a bit unfair, but there are two promises from the Lord that I have for you to encourage you in this. The first one is from Proverbs 16, verse 7, where it says, When a man's ways please the Lord, he makes even his enemies to be at peace with him. So in following God's word in this, we are pleasing the Lord and he promises us that when we do what is right, what pleases God, that he will bring peace. And then the second one is from Proverbs 15, 29, and it says, The Lord is far from the wicked, but he hears the prayers of the righteous. If we treat our husbands the way that they treat us, if we do not rise above in pursuing righteousness, then we are no different than those who do not follow Christ, and our prayers will not be heard. As wives, we are to conduct ourselves in a godly manner, praying daily for ourselves, for our husbands, and for our marriages. We are to have the incorruptible beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit, which is very precious in the sight of God, responding with a gentle tongue, not to be vengeful, but overcoming evil with good. Our husbands, whether believers or not, are our first priority in ministry and service to the Lord. 1 Corinthians 15, verse 58 tells us, Therefore, my beloved brethren, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. We are to remain steadfast, always abounding in the work of God towards our husbands, in showing God's forgiveness to them, His mercy and grace and love, knowing that our labor is not in vain. But as we are obedient to the teachings of His Word, God will work in and through us to bring us the blessings of a life with Christ. Because of God's great sovereignty, He also provides us with protection. So let's take a look at God's sovereignty over all and His protection for wives. 
There are times that we see what is right before us, the uncertainty of our future, possible financial consequences, distrust, hurt, and anger, or a lack of love in our home. We have grave concerns for what our future is going to look like and what will happen next. We are conflicted because we know that we're supposed to be submissive, but yet we feel that if we don't do something, if we don't take some kind of action to put our foot down and to take over, then our life will be in ruin. But God, God is sovereign. The Lord has established his throne in heaven and his kingdom rules over all. This is what is told to us in Psalms 103 verse 19. Ladies, all is just that, all. God has the ultimate rule and authority over believers, non-believers, bosses, circumstances, finances, the weather, and yes, even our husbands. God ruled over the Pharaoh in Egypt to harden his heart so that he did not let the Israelites go, all to show them and us God's mighty power and his glory. And then when King Nebuchadnezzar became prideful, God caused him to eat grass like a cow for seven years. In Daniel 4, verse 32, we read, And they shall drive you from men, and your dwelling shall be with the beast of the field. They shall make you eat grass like oxen, and seven times shall pass over you, until you know that the Most High rules in the kingdom of men, and gives it to whomever he chooses." So then after seven years, when God restored King Nebuchadnezzar, this is what he says about the Lord in Daniel chapter 4, verse 35. All the inhabitants of the earth are reputed as nothing. He does according to his will in the army of heaven and among the inhabitants of the earth. No one can restrain his hand or say to him, what have you done? And he's talking about God here. No one can restrain his hand. Among all the inhabitants of the earth, he does his will and his will alone. God does all according to his will and his plan because he has complete sovereignty over all. He also cares about even the smallest details of what is happening in our lives, both what is happening here on earth and what is happening in heaven, which includes everything that's happening in your life. In Matthew 10, 29 through 31, we read, Are not two sparrows sold for a copper coin? And not one of them falls to the ground apart from your father's will. But the very hairs of your head are all numbered. Do not fear, therefore. You are of more value than many sparrows. So not one little tiny bird that we see in the sky falls from the sky without our heavenly father knowing it and that it is a part of his will. God having complete sovereignty over your life is a promise to you as his daughter. Believe in it. Trust in it. Be confident in Christ because of it because he has complete control. Many of you probably know the story in the Bible about Daniel and the lion's den, how Daniel was placed in the lion's den by King Darius because he wouldn't denounce God and worship the king. If you're familiar with the story, then you know that God saved Daniel from being eaten by the lions and that Daniel was set free. 
After this, King Darius states in Daniel chapter 6, verses 26 through 27, I make a decree that in every dominion of my kingdom, men must tremble and fear before the God of Daniel, for he is the living God and steadfast forever. His kingdom is the one which shall not be destroyed, and his dominion shall endure to the end. He delivers and rescues, and he works signs and wonders in heaven and on the earth. Who has delivered Daniel from the power of the lions? Ladies, did you hear this? For he is the living God and steadfast forever. His kingdom is the one which shall stand and not be destroyed, and his dominion shall endure to the end. He delivers and rescues. Ladies, that promise is for you. It is a promise that God gives you to be there for you and to help you and to work through situations. And you can go to him as your heavenly father and trust in his sovereignty. Even when you can't see what the future is going to be, even when it looks bleak, it looks difficult. Trust in the fact that God loves you and that he has a perfect plan for your life and that there is nothing in this world, in heaven, in the earth, in anywhere that is going to be able to thwart God's plan for you. So this leads us to our next point, which is God's protection. Many of you have lost the trust that you once had in your husbands for various reasons. It may be from a foolish decision that he's made in the past, from previous actions that were hurtful towards you, or him, him breaking the bond of trust in your marriage at some point. We may not be able to put our full faith and trust in our husbands, but we can always trust and put our full faith in the Lord. In the same way that we are to put God before our husbands in obedience to him, we are also to put our trust in the Lord first as well. Our husbands, as wonderful as they may be, are still human sinful beings who will disappoint us or hurt us from time to time. It's just a part of life in this sinful world. And in the same way, we're going to mess up too. And we're going to hurt them and we're going to disappoint them. It goes both ways, ladies. Our husbands are also not sovereign the way that God is. So it would be foolish for us to put all of our trust and faith in them over our trust in the Lord. When we trust in the Lord and his word and we follow his ways, he protects us. Proverbs 30 verse 5 tells us this. It says, every word of God is pure and he is a shield to those who put their trust in him. He is our shield, ladies, when we trust him. Shield from hurt, shield from harm. Not that everything is always going to go perfectly, but God is always going to see us through. In Psalms 18, 30 through 32, it says, As for God, his way is perfect. The word of the Lord is proven. He is a shield to all who trust in him. For who is God except the Lord? And who is a rock except our God? It is God who arms me with strength and makes my way perfect. It is God, ladies, who arms you with strength and makes your way perfect. And then in Psalms 84, 11 and 12, we read, For the Lord God is a sun and shield. The Lord will give grace and glory. No good thing will he withhold from those who walk uprightly. O Lord of hosts, 
Blessed is the man who trusts in you. Ladies, when we trust in the Lord, when we follow his will, when we read his word and follow his commands, then he is a shield to us. He gives us strength. He makes our way perfect and no good thing will he withhold from us. We can trust in God's will for our lives and in his sovereignty over our lives and over our future. Not that everything is going to be roses and sunshine because life does have its difficulties. And we have talked about this in the past and this is how we are trained up. This is how we are made complete in every good work is by the trials that we go through. And we read in scripture, don't don't think, be surprised when a trial comes your way because we know that these things happen so that we can learn to become more like Christ. In Hebrews 13, 21, it says, to make you complete in every good work to do his will, working in you what is well-pleasing in his sight through Jesus Christ, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. A good example of this is a story that I read once of a woman whose husband had made some bad financial decisions with credit cards and not paying things on time and had put them in a great deal of debt. Through this, they learned that it would be better for her to take care of the finances than it was for him to take care of them. And she diligently worked to get them out of debt and to restore their credit. Did her husband mishandle the finances that caused this family to have problems? Yes. However, God was still ultimately in control of the situation. He saw to it that their needs were met and he brought them through this financial difficulty to the other side and restored their finances and restored their credit. I'm also sure that the Holy Spirit taught both of them many lessons about following God and following his ways and helping them to be more like Christ and using this trial to teach them what God's word teaches us. We can have peace and confidence in our future as we put our trust and hope in our sovereign God who protects us at all times, the one who makes our way perfect and does not withhold any good thing from those who walk uprightly. Even if our husbands make mistakes or we have to suffer from their shortcomings, you know, ladies, we make mistakes. And they're probably going to have some sufferings from our shortcomings as well. It's a part of life. It's a part of being married. And we just have to have that grace and that mercy and that give and take with one another and that trust in the Lord that he's going to teach us, that he's going to see us through and that we're going to be fine in the end. We can trust him for the outcome of whatever our situation might be. Not only is God sovereign in all things and protects us as his children, but he has also given us provisions in his word to help us make positive changes in our marriage relationship. Next week, we're going to continue this discussion on being a submissive wife in a difficult marriage as we look at standing firm in Christ and how to reprove our husbands in a godly manner. In the meantime, I have this verse for you, and it's from Romans 12, verses 10 through 12. It says, Be kindly affectionate to one another with brotherly love, in honor giving preference to one another, not lagging in diligence, fervent in spirit, serving the Lord, rejoicing in hope, patient in tribulation, continuing 
steadfastly in prayer. Ladies, this is my prayer for you, that you would take this verse, that you would post it somewhere, that you would read it, and that it would be a reminder to you to be diligent, to be fervent in spirit, to be serving the Lord, rejoicing in hope, patient in tribulation, and continuing steadfastly in prayer. Have a blessed day. Thank you so much for listening today. I pray that God has used this episode to bless and inspire you to live out your faith in Him. If it has, please do me a huge favor by leaving a review on Apple Podcasts. This is the only way that I know if you like the show and you will be helping others to find this podcast and be lifted up by the Word of God. Is there someone who came to mind while you were listening today and you said, Ooh, she needs to hear this. Well, then send her the link so she can be encouraged too. Are you in the Dallas area and looking for a fresh new speaker to add excitement to your next luncheon, women's retreat, or other women's event? Then drop me a note at nancy at faithlivedout.com and let's chat about it. That's nancy, N-A-N-C-I, at faithlivedout.com. I would love to come and meet with you and the ladies in your group. You're also welcome to visit the website at faithlivedout.com for more information, blog posts, journaling ideas, and free printables. Or become a part of our little community of believers by joining the Faith Lived Out community group on Facebook, where you can join together with other faith-led wives and moms just like you. Links to these areas and the scripture references used in today's episode are in the show notes. Ladies, thank you again for listening today and know that I am praying for God to be with you as you learn to trust in Him more and to live out your faith every day. God bless you and see you on the next episode.